Father, we thank you because you are totally reliable. You are totally dependable. Our God and our King and our Maker, our Kingsman Redeemer. We adore you, Lord. We thank you because you are the pillar that holds our lives. You are dependable. You are reliable. You are unchanging. You are unstoppable. Unstoppable, God. This morning in every life present in this place and in every life on the internet, Father, manifest yourself as unstoppable, as dependable, as reliable, and let your name be glorified. We thank you for that which eyes have not seen. Thank you for that which ears have not heard. Thank you for that which has not even begun to enter into the heart of man. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you. Now, um, we began a series four weeks ago titled Breaking the Ice. Breaking the Ice. Um, we'll conclude the series today. And we, we started with an introduction and we explained that God, Jehovah himself, is the master icebreaker. God is the master icebreaker. The Bible says in the beginning, the, the earth was void and without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And, 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 and the word of God says, and God said, let there be light. He broke the ice and there was light. And he created mankind and you know the story. And it went on and on. Man fell. There was a vacuum for generations upon generations upon generations and finally, God himself walked across the universe. He came from heaven and he came on earth and became flesh. And he broke the ice again. Jesus was born. The angel announced, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. Praise the name of the Lord. And while Jesus was on earth, he was, he was um, gathering his disciples and, 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 and creating congregations. And he said to Peter, who do men say that I am? And all of sorts of theories were, were being propagated. And Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, you are Peter. And upon this rock, the revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Praise the name of the Lord. And we explain that the word church there actually is a substitution, not an interpretation not a translation, it's a substitution that the original word there, word there was ecclesia. And that word ecclesia means a gathering. Jesus says, I will build my assembly, my gathering, my congregation, my community. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Praise the name of the Lord. And you know, while Jesus was going, we explained, Jesus said to his disciples, you go now and make disciples of all nations. You go and break the ice. I have broken the ice. I have demonstrated how to break the ice. It's your turn to break the ice. Go and make disciples. And in the second week, week two, we looked at a model of Breaking the ice. And we, the drama unit showed us how not to evangelize, how not to break the ice, how not to be a, doom, a doomsday evangelist. 
Accept Jesus Christ now. A car can hit you now. You remember that drama, you know, and all that. How not to do it. And we explained how to. And we said to, to break the ice effectively, we live in 3D. Everybody say 3D. Say it well, 3D. You live in 3D. And in 3D, the first D is what? Develop friendships. So we seek, consistently seek to develop friendships. The second D, we, we discover stories while you are developing friendships. Those you are making friends with, everyone has a story. Our job is to discover their story. We discover stories. Then the third D, we, we discern the appropriate next steps. We discern the appropriate next steps. And last week, which was week three, we explained that the most, the ultimate purpose of your destiny and my destiny, the ultimate purpose of our destinies is to what? Help people find God. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, if you're a prophet, if you're an evangelist, if you're a businessman, if you're a professional, if you're a teacher, if you're a driver, if you're a cook, if you're a cleaner. The ultimate purpose of your destiny is to help people find God. Naaman had a house help. The house help helped Naaman find God. Did she fulfill our destiny? Absolutely. You can be the CEO of the greatest multinational on earth. The ultimate purpose of your calling is to help people find God. And, and, and we explained last week that to do that effectively, you need to know the power of stories. Stories are words that are woven into a pattern. And words are powerful. We need to discover the power of stories. And we all know stories. We've all been taught told stories. If you want to teach a child something and you want the child to remember, tell the child what? A story. Tell the child a story. If you tell the child a story, the child will not forget. In fact, children love stories so much. I remember my grandmother telling us a lot of stories. Stories of the tortoise. Do you guys know stories of tortoise? Do you know how the tortoise broke his back and his back is cracked? Do you know that story? Do you? <laughs> and the stories comes with songs. I sing some songs now. We need some deep interpretation. <laughs> so, brother. And Jesus hardly almost never teaches without telling a story. There was a man in the faraway country. He had a son. And he sent his son to go and visit his farm. Or there was a man, a father. He had two sons. Prodigal son. There was a woman that had um, um, ten pieces of silver. One got missing. She swept everywhere. Oh, there was a shepherd that had a hundred sheep and one was missing. And Jesus always told stories. I said last week that Jesus made up most of those stories. No, no, no. I know, I know your mind. You're like, ah, Jesus. I can't just... He did. There was no man anywhere. He was just trying to, he was just trying to teach a moral. He was just trying to teach a, a lesson. So since I'm Jesus' disciple, <laughs> let me leave that. So we said God has a story. And we told God's story. God's story. There is a God, there are people, there's a chasm, there's a, there's a gulf, there's a gap, there's a distance between God and people. And that distance was caused by sin, by rebellion, by us choosing our own way instead of God's way. It separates us from God. And over time, man has tried to fill that gap with works, some with Drugs, some with sex, some with alcohol, some even created religions. So all the different religions in this world are man's attempt to bridge the gap to God. In fact, the 
clearest definition of religion is man's way to God. That's why when people say Christianity is not a religion, it's so true, right? Because Christianity is not man's way to God. Christianity is God's way to man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not what? Who initiated? If man has a way to God, and God has a way to man, which is the surest way? God's way. Jesus came and breached the gap so that the sons of men can become the sons of God. Praise the name of the Lord. That's God's story. And we also have stories. You have your own story. You know, your before and your after. And, you know, we articulated all that last week. And today, we're going to conclude um, the series. If you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Luke 5, 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the sea of Galilee or, or Gennesaret, depending on the version you have, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowd from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners from the other boats and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything. It was everything. And followed Jesus. Wow. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, it's always about the big fish or the small fish. You choose. Jesus was saying to Peter, James and John, and he's saying to us today, you have to choose whether you are going to be catching the small fish or you are going to be catching the human-sized fish. Peter, it's either fish, fish, or human fish. He's asking you and I, are you going to throw this your one and only life, this single life that you have, are you going to invest it in pursuing small fish? Or will you risk tossing your nets in anticipation of catching bigger fish? Jesus is saying to you and I, he's saying to the doctors in this place, to the um, teachers in this place, he's saying to the accountants in this place, to the lawyers in this place, to the students in this place, to the businessmen in this place, to the professionals in this place, he's saying to you, are you going to spend this your one and only life 
chasing small fish? Or are you going to invest it with the big ones? Before we get ahead of ourselves, you know, we, we, we ex- if you look at the pattern of the model that we explained with evangelism, it's largely relational. Relational meaning you develop friendships, that takes time. You discover stories, that takes time. And as you descend different next steps, as one next step after the other, until the person accepts Jesus. But we, 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 I just want to mention at this time that sometimes God can ask you to talk to somebody you don't know at all. Cold call. Just talk to the person about Jesus. In your face. Why? Because God knows why. Sometimes it's because the person wants to pass away the following day. You don't know. I don't know. It may not be. But sometimes God can lead you to just talk to somebody you don't know at all about Jesus. It could tell you to stand up and talk to, to your class about Jesus. Praise the Lord. I have a friend. He's, he's in the UK. I think he's relocated back. Or he's in the process of relocating back to Nigeria. When we were in year one, in year one, everybody does this particular course. So the amphitheater was packed full of students that were talking, you know, can imagine how noisy the place would be. And this, my friend, it wasn't my friend, I didn't even know him then at the time, but I could never forget his face. When he eventually became my friend, I told him this story. He came up and walked up to the stage before the lecturer came and began to preach Jesus. The whole auditorium went silent. He held us spellbound. All we rebellious folks. (laughs) I couldn't move. Later I was telling him, even though I didn't give my life to Jesus at the time, until four years after, or three years after, I could never forget that day. I have a friend that said to me, that, oh, how I spoiled a teenage party, you know. She invited me, she was a teenager at the time, she, she invited me to a party. She had invited all her friends. And, you know, when teenagers are having parties and their parents are not in the house, you can picture the atmosphere. The music was on. You know, things was, were happening. And she invited me. And before she knew it, I grabbed the mic. And I say, testing, testing, twerk, twerk. <laughs> and I get your attention. And I preached Jesus. When I was done, I said, the party can continue. When I dropped the mic, all of them began to go on after the other. <laughs> and she said to me, you spoiled my party. I hate you. She's my friend now. Sometimes God can stir you up to just preach the gospel. Never forget that. Praise the name of the Lord. Never what? Never forget that. Philip, in Acts 8, he just took him to Ethiopia. He preached to somebody he didn't know at all. Came back. Some of you, God is telling you, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Guess what? Preach it. I know the struggle. Believe me, sometimes, you know, you can, you can particularly if you're like me, I'm, I'm introverted. Do you know I'm, I'm introverted? A lot of people don't know. They think I'm extroverted. Well, ask my wife I'm introverted. I just like my quietness to be alone. But when the Holy Ghost comes upon me, I'm a different person. A different person. Anyway, so I was, I was taking a bus from Mujoleba to Ketu. One straight bus. And I sat in the bus and I felt the Lord saying to me, I want to preach in the bus today. Trouble. So, I made up my mind early in my work with God that I will never disobey God. Have you made that commitment to yourself too? If you haven't, make it today. Praise the Lord. It's a dangerous commitment. But it will always lead to life. Always. Always. Anyway. So I, so, so, so I said I was going to 
obey God. And I opened my mouth and nothing came out. I tried to preach nothing. I was, I, I was struggling until we got to K2. And the bus emptied itself. And I said to myself, am I going to go home knowing that God has spoken to me and just ignore God? I said, no. I entered another bus going back to Jolegba. <laughs> In the bus going back to Jolegba. I counted one to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Blank. <laughs> I counted one to twenty, one to five, one to three. Before I knew it, we were at Ojulegba. <laughs> I had not said anything. I said, ha, I can't go, I can't sleep if I don't obey God. I tell another bus going back to Ketsu. <laughs> And for some reason, God chose to help me. As I opened my mouth and I began to speak, you can't imagine what happened in our bus. You want to see the power of God? If you want the power of God, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preach the gospel. Just the gospel. Don't add anything. Just preach Jesus. It's enough. If I is more than it's more than enough. Just preach Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So back to our question. Are you going to give your one and only life? This is your one and only life. Are you going to give it to fishing for fish or fishing for men? Are you going to invest your life, this one life, fishing for small fish of fishing for big fish. The same way Jesus asked Peter, James, and John. He's asking us. The same way he wanted Peter, James, and John to understand this. He wants us to understand that life is all about people. Life is all about who? People. Life is all about people. God wants you and I to help Connect people to him. With Jesus, people, priority is number one priority. Praise the name of the Lord. So, Jesus is saying, what will it be today, Femi? What will it be? Are you going to be fishing for fish? Or are you going to be fishing for men? Look at that story. Peter, all they've worked for all night was what? To catch fish, right? So that they can feed their family and have a good life. They caught nothing. Jesus showed up. They caught so many fish, they couldn't even handle them. Then Peter understood. He had that moment. Hey, what's going on here? This is miraculous. Is it going to be about the fish? Or is it going to be about men? Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Our responses should always be, it is anyway, if you are following Jesus, you know, that song, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. If you are following Jesus, you don't have a choice. It will make you what? Fishers of men. But we need to answer that question ourselves. Is it going to be the fish or men? Fish translates to money. Femi, is it going to be about selling the fish and making money? Femi, are you going to sell the fish and and export the fish so that you can have Femi and Son import and export? Praise the Lord. And export the fish and earn some foreign currency, earn some dollars, right? Or is it going to be about 
destinies, people's destinies. So, is it going to be about dollars, Femi, or is it going to be about destinies? That if, if you choose dollars, you will discover a life of emptiness. If you choose destiny, people's destiny, you will discover a life of joy and fulfillment. Now, if you choose a life of destiny, so Femi, Pastor, are you trying to tell us that we should forget about the dollars? Well, pretty much, yes. Pretty much. Let me break it down. Your response could be like Peter. What's Peter's response? Fish, no more. Jesus, all the way, left everything. Even the fish he caught, he didn't even bother selling. He says, ah, you are the one that made the fish come. Let me hold you. More fish will come, right? So, smart guy, he held Jesus. Left everything. One response. So, your response could be like Peter, number one. Number two, your response could be like Luke. You know the story of Luke? Luke was a medical doctor when he met with Jesus. After he met with Jesus, Luke remained a medical doctor. In other words, Luke was still, if he were a fisherman, he remained what? A fisherman. But with Luke, it's now not about the fish anymore. It's not about the trade anymore. It's about using that trade to help people. Praise the name of the Lord. So if you are a professional or a business person or, um, or a teacher or um, um, Whatever you are. I mean, it, it, it's, my, my point this morning is that what is it going to be for you? Are you going to invest this your life just chasing money? Or are you going to invest this your life changing destinies? If you choose to keep the fish and maybe God's will for you is to remain a fisherman. But you see, it will not be about the fish anymore. That's my point. It will be about leveraging the fish you have caught for a greater purpose. It will be about using the fish that Jesus has given you, the small fish, to catch the Big fish. Am I making sense this morning? Good. What will it be? What will it be? Praise the Lord. You can fish for fish. Or fish for men. You see, many people are struggling in their business because uh, perhaps God wants you to answer this question. This singular question. God wants you to answer this question. Before you move forward, God wants you to answer it now. What will it be? What will it be? Think about a figure. Think about a figure. What, will, what figure will, will, will make you um, say, okay, well, now I thank God, at least by the grace of God, when they are saying people are wealthy, they will count me. Think about the figure. What figure will that be? Quickly, quickly, think about it. I make, um, I have excess in this amount. What's the figure? What's the figure? Don't tell me. Do you have the figure now? It's, it's important you have the figure because of what I want to say next. Do you have the figure now? I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that the figure will become a reality. Yeah. I pray it will become a reality. Now, the question is, then what? Then what? Then what? Oh, it's a reality. Then what? Then that's when you remember that, oh, ah, this is your wife. Oh, you're having love handles. Oh. This is your stomach. is too big. Oh. You didn't know the stomach was big before. Is that the purpose of the... You need to answer it now so that when you get there, you have an answer. In fact, 
the way God works, before you get there, is how you are faithful with little. More will be added. He will take it to one level. He will see whether you will, it's the fish or it is him. If you choose the fish, he leaves you on that level. If you choose him, he gives you a higher level of fish. He tests you again. If you choose him, he takes you higher. Higher. That's how God works. Praise the name of the Lord. So what will it be? Ask your neighbor. What will it be? Get a response. <laughs> Get a response. So when it comes to people seeing the light, when it comes to people seeing the light, this light of the glorious gospel of Christ, there are, there are two main things you need to consider. The first thing is, is the supernatural and spiritual side. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 3 and 4. The word of God says that if a gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, shine into them. Now, that's the first thing. So, every one you have on your list, every one of those three people, you have your list that are far from God. God wants you to know today there's a spiritual dimension. Everyone that is not surrendered to Jesus is because there is a veil. It's because there is a blindfolding. Which is why we have to consistently pray for these people that the veil will be taken out. The, 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 the curtain will be torn. Praise the name of the Lord. That's the spiritual dimension. The second dimension that I believe God, God wants you to understand is, is the personal dimension. In verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 4, it says, The light shines through our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 5, 16. If you're writing, you need to be fast. Matthew 5, 16. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in, in heaven. Let whose light shine? Your light shine. So, so the task ahead of us is a task for every one of us. Jesus is saying that we get to choose whether we let our light shine or not. Whose decision is it if your life is shine? You. Let your light shine. You let your light shine. The stakes are too high not to let your light shine. Eternity is in offering. Let your light shine. So it means you can prevent your light from shining. And God is saying, you have a part to play. You have to let your light shine. Nobody light a candle and put it under the under the bed. You let your light shine so that men can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, how I treat people can determine their eternal destinies. How I treat people can determine their eternal destinies. How you treat people around you can determine their eternal destinies. If you, if you, people can look at you and how you behave and Desire God. People can also look at you and how you behave and say, everybody's going to church. This one too is going to church. If this one is going to church, then I don't want to have anything to do with church. That will not be your testimony. Say amen. Your life can be a magnet that draws people to God or be a magnet that repels people. Magnets also repels, depending on the pole. Polarity. Can't, that repels people from God. Praise the name of the Lord. So, I need to check my life. So, you need to check your life. You need to check your behavior. I mean, I was giving the example, the first person experience of a, my friend, I've shared it before also, I, I was trying to tell, I was telling him on how he needs to accept Jesus. And 
his barrier was that, Femi, why are you talking about Jesus? Jesus, Jesus, and every time, Jesus. All these born again, born again people. Apparently, his girlfriend was supposed to be saved. And I, I just banged one of your sisters yesterday night. One of your born again sisters. I just banged her yesterday night. And you, you are telling me born again. Born what? Is your life repelling people from Jesus? Or is your life advertising people? Praise the name of the Lord. Ask yourself. I need to ask myself. Praise the name of the Lord. A lady that's in a whole community, she fights everybody. Everybody. New neighbors. She welcomes them with quarrel. Then she said, oh, oh, I go to, um, I wanted to say God's favorite house, but I think I want to change my mind. <laughs> I go to X and Y Z church. We want to start a house fellowship. Who will we come? My life and your life. In fact, it's one of the most significant gospels that can be preached I can be preached. Praise the name of the Lord. I have a friend, I mean, long, I've even lost touch with him. Then, there's one of my family members, I wouldn't even consider him my friend, I just knew him, you know, had business dealing with him. And he got to know that, oh, we were related. I said to my family member that, ah, Femi is a Christian. The guy came, I didn't know what he, I, didn't, I, I don't know what he saw. We've never had, okay, we've had a clash a few times. And it was even a bad clash. I told him the truth. And he, you know, I have this bad habit of telling people the truth. And sometimes it causes problem. And we had a, you know, face-off. But I didn't think that he would, he would conclude that I was a Christian. I shared on how, in the first place, I, I used to be in some organization at, at some point in time, and, you know, my immediate boss retired. Now, my units at the time used to be responsible for over 80% of the revenue of the whole organization. Over 80%. And there about four, four or five units. And one unit was responsible for over 80%. Now, my manager resigned. Now, he was in charge of the relationships with our foreign partners who have respected him over the years. They have a very good relationship over the years. So when he resigned, the top management had a meeting and said, okay, they believe Femi can do the job. So my CEO gave me the offer and I said, wow, fine, we'll do it. Then he called me to his office and said to me that, you know this person has resigned and you know this relationship with this partner is so crucial to this organization. You are taking his role, but you need to tell the partners that he's still with us, but we've posted him to another department. <laughs> when they get to know you, they get to like you, and you, know, you have a solid relationship with them, they will tell them that he has left. He just resigned last week. Is that not a good plan? Very good. So I said, oh, that's, no, that's no biggie. We can do that. So I went down to my office. I sat to my office. And, you know, it must be God convicting me that. What have you agreed to? And I thought about it. I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, and I was explaining. The first question explains how the, your greatest asset is to cultivate the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you have the presence of God, when you deviate, God will chastise you. He will correct you. If you are doing something and you are doing it and you are doing that and it's as if God is not correcting you, you need to cry to God, why hast thou forsaken me, O God? 
You need to cry. So I felt that, you know, you know what I mean, that heart twitching conviction. So I knew I can't do it. Or I could do it and disappoint God. Again, I chose to obey God by the grace of God. So I went to his office and knocked. I opened the office, opened, opened, I opened the doors, come in, sit down. I said, I, said, I declined. I told him, I, I'm fine standing because I knew what I'm about to say can cost me my job. <laughs> so, so I said, you know what we discussed? I really can't do that. And I explained to him why I cannot do it. I'm a child of God. And I will not lie. I believe that. I didn't just say that I won't do it. I said I believe that I can broker this relationship and there will be no issues without lying. But that route, I'm not going. It's very light. His face became red. As in red. And he said, you want to do it your way? I said, yes. Get out of my office. First day at the job. <laughs> so I gently closed the door. And I went to my office. And as God would have it, the relationship was not only maintained, it became far better. The revenue we were getting was now became far more than we ever had. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. Far more. And we never spoke about it until I resigned. I left the place. But there are things that they will want to do and they will say, Femi will not do it. If we tell them, Femi will not do it. Sometimes proposal, I want the doctor numbers. You say, take it to another unit. Femi will not do it. He was speaking for me. Now, not recently, some, some time ago, about three years, two years ago, someone told me that today, that my pharmacy is now born again. That he's so serious with God that he's running the whole unit by faith. He doesn't give bribe anymore. He doesn't smoke anymore. He doesn't, this guy, club, you know, focused on his family and the business is doing well. Praise the name of the Lord. You get to choose whether your light will shine or not. It's your decision. Whose decision is it? Whose decision is it? When Jesus says, let your light shine. Jesus did not say, let your pastor's light shine. Did he say that? Did he say, let your house fellowship leader's light shine? Did he say, let your sister in church's light shine? So that I can cover your own. No. Let your light shine. You are responsible if your light will shine or not. If you will do what you can do. You don't need to be smarter than you are right now. See, that's the problem with us. We think, oh, when I'm smarter, when I'm richer, maybe if I'm more pretty, maybe if I can talk better, maybe if I can do this. No, 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 no. You don't need to be smarter. You don't need to be richer. You don't need to be slimmer. You don't even need to be fatter. Just come as you are. And Jesus will use you. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, if you look at Jesus, he's so convinced. He appears to be so convinced about this thing. Soul winning. Why is Jesus so convinced about soul winning? I believe two out of many reasons, perhaps. But two, why is Jesus so convinced about soul winning? Number one, because this is the way to build his kingdom. That's the way to build his kingdom. Jesus has a kingdom. He wants to build his kingdom. How does he build his kingdom? You and I winning other people into his kingdom. And he says, when you do it, I'm excited. Ask my father anything, and it will be done for you. That's a good deal. Praise the Lord. And it is his kingdom. His, everybody say his kingdom. 
Yes. Maybe a lot of people you are going to win to Christ. You are going to bring them to church, to God's favorite house. Fine. But they may not even be in God's favorite house. I gave the example of um, years ago, I was uh, one of the car I used to drive had a problem. That car was <laughs> if I think about it, it's just very funny. It's, it's a super jalopy. You know there are jalopies. You know what jalopies? Then you know what super jalopies are? That was a super jalopy. My mom had it as a jalopy. She gave it, she used the sauté, she gave it to my eldest brother. My eldest brother used the sauté, gave it to my immediate senior brother. My senior brother used the sauté, gave it to me. <laughs> me too, I used the sauté, I gave it to my to Pastor Aki, you know Pastor Aki. Pastor Aki used the sauté, he gave it to my brother in the UK, Ayo. I think, I don't think the last boy used it. I think he died with Ayo. But one of the day I was, I was on Osborne. And the car had a problem. Now, this car and I, we, we are so in tune that, you know, when you're driving a car, the car is going to have a problem, and you know. I was like that with that car. I know when he's going to have a problem. When he has a problem, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I know what exactly the, where the problem is. So this time he had a problem. And, of course, I wasn't happy. Parked the car, opened the bonnet, just trying to figure out what's going on. And while I was still there, disgruntled, two men came from nowhere. They said they are mechanics. They want to help me. Looked at my options. I couldn't figure out what it was anyway. So let them try. So I, I stood back. And as they were walking on the car, one of them just began, these are hard-looking men. One of them just began to, to cry to sob like a baby. He was sobbing. And he came to me and he says, I want to accept Jesus. I want to repent of my sins. I didn't preach a word. I didn't say a word. At that time, I didn't know what was going on. I was confused. I was angry at myself. You see, sometimes it doesn't matter how you feel. God will do what he wants to do. <laughs> I, was, that was, I felt the least spiritual in my life because I was not happy. My car had broken down. This car is messing me up. Only God knows which babe will see me with this car. <laughs> because I wasn't married at the time. <laughs> so, he says, you want to accept Jesus? I'm like, okay. But my mind, how did he know I was saved? The other one too joined him. It was like a crying party. <laughs> I prayed with them. They accepted Jesus. Fixed the car. They left. Till today, I have, not, I have not seen them after that. But guess what? The kingdom of God had increased by two people. Praise the name of the Lord. The kingdom of God had, in, had improved, had increased by two people. I later discovered that what happened was the presence of God. You know, the presence of God can be so intensified around you that when people come around you, they are convicted of sin. Oh, dear. And they can begin to cry, yeah. In fact, what happened to my, my wife I, and I, you know, there's a lady that came to my office. She came to my office. She just came from committing adultery. She has a husband. She had two children, two or three. Two at the time. She came to my office. When she got to my office, her body began to eat her. She ran out of my office. She says, ah, this is a coincidence, a coincidence. So she came back into my office. She sat down. Her body was eating her. She ran out. She came back. Her body was here. I, I just saw her. I said, I'm coming, I'm coming. She will go. She will come. She will go. She will come. And when she discovered that, okay, this is not a coincidence, <laughs> then she began to cry and confess to my wife and I that this is where I'm coming from. You can carry the presence of God that evil around you will be exposed. And I'm praying that for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Consciously. The key thing here when you win souls, what happens? The kingdom of God expands. It expands. Number two, because when you win souls, this is the way our own souls get satisfied. This is the way our own souls get satisfied. Everybody that has won a soul to Christ knows this joy I'm talking about. The joy 
I'm talking about, I made them put up their hands. I want to do it again to, to encourage people that haven't experienced this. You know this joy of leading people to Christ. Let me see your hands up. Look at, look at them. Fantastic. Put down your that hand. It is, it's like a well spring. It's unexplainable. What is depression? Depression is lack of evangelism. That's all. If you will reach out to people and you see the joy of people accepting Jesus, <sighs> depression will be a far thing from you. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. In Luke chapter 5, there's a man called Matthew. If you read further down, in Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. I read 27 to 32. It says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. Levi, Matthew, same person. Sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as what? The guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with, him, with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. Now, look at Jesus. Jesus saw a tax collector. In those days, when you hear tax collector, it's not like our own FIRS, you know, that is, you know, clean. They should be clean. Tax collectors in those days are like, are like who now in, in our time? I didn't see anything. I just said I like who. Now, imagine the baddest people. Jesus came, saw Levi, Matthew. Where did he see him? In the tax collector's booth while he was on duty. And said, come, follow me and be my disciple. Excuse me, has, has he gone through foundational class? Has he done water baptism? Has he gone to Bible college? Jesus is just very strange. It's like, it's like walking up to um, a prostitute that is in the prostitute's booth, dressed for business, and saying to her, follow me. I'll be my disciple. Let us go and preach the gospel. Many of us say, ah, pastor, she has to be sanctified. <laughs> she has to. Jesus has a strange way of calling people, the people that you least expect. That's why I never write anybody off. Never write anybody off. Anyway, back to our story. So, Matthew... What did he do? Matthew said, I have people that are close to me that thought I'm crazy. That thought, why would he follow Jesus? Why would he leave everything and follow Jesus? But they are far from God. What do I do? Matthew threw a party. Everyone say party. Everyone say Matthew party. Matthew threw a party and invited his tax collector friends. Just come and hang out with Jesus. Just come and hang out with Jesus. Just come and hang out with Jesus. And, and I, I, I want to suggest to life group leaders, even as, as we approach, uh, is it evangelism now? Next week or upper week? You can throw a Matthew party. Gather your people and tell them beforehand, this is what we're going to do. Maybe your wife just bought a new car. Or maybe she just got promoted. See, we want to wash it. 
You like washing things in Nigeria. Says, oh, my wife just got a new dress. You want to wash it? Then throw a barbecue <laughs> and make Jesus the guest of honor. And he will be there. Why? Because he says, I'm with you always to the end of the time. End of the time. Invite your friends that are far from God. No opening prayer. No praise and worship. No Bible study. Don't even bring your Bibles. No offering. The pastor by offering. No offering. So what do we do? Simple. Eat, drink, and talk. Everyone in your fellowship, make sure that the plan is they are not going to mingle with someone they know. So they are going to make new friends. They are going to mingle with your neighbor and try and develop friendships. And while the conversation is going on, they will try and discover stories. And before the day has ended, they can discern the appropriate next steps. That this guy, maybe just to invite him for the next fellowship, or just to give him a book, or just give him a CD, or just collect his number and send him a text of encouragement during the week, or just, you know, discern the next step. Praise the name of the Lord. And lives will be transformed. Totally. And the name of Jesus will be glorified. Why would Matthew do this? Matthew known that he has the hope of eternal life. Matthew knows that I am going to heaven one day. And if I'm going to heaven one day, the only thing that you can take to heaven with you are the people you have affected for God. Your car cannot go. Your house cannot go. Your shirts cannot go. The jewelries cannot go. If you try to take the jewelries and you tell your children or your family members, they should wear all your gold on you and bury you with it. What will happen at night? The only thing you can take to heaven is what? It's the souls of the people you have impacted for God. You can write that down. That is the only thing. That's what will make your stars on your crown. That's the only thing you can take to heaven. The blackberry, because of that blackberry, you sold your birthright. That blackberry will not make it to heaven. Praise the Lord. It won't. The only thing is the people. No earthly commodity is going to make it from here. Only souls. So my quest here, while I'm here, is to seek people. And bring them to Jesus. That's my quest. So Matthew knew, I have the hope of eternal life. Someone said, heaven is not real. Hell is not real. Really what they said so, is what the guy said so, is that he said, if heaven was real, my friends that are Christians, that they would not just go to church and come back and be playing Ludo with me. They would go to church and come back and force me to accept Jesus if they can. They will, they will compel me. They will do everything. See these people, they don't even care whether I go to hell or not. It can't be real. Praise the Lord. And you know, I, I felt a little bit like that when I gave, gave my life to Jesus. I used to have a friend, we're the same class um, in university. Year one, it was, I didn't know he was a believer. All I knew was that whenever you abuse him, he will not abuse you back. That was the only thing. And we were masters of abusation. You know? So, I was like, oh, if you abuse him, he won't abuse you back. Apart from that, I didn't, it wasn't even my friends, it wasn't even in my cycle. So, but one day I gave my life to Jesus towards my final year. And I went to this fellowship and I saw him, he was standing at the door 
as, the, as an usher in the fellowship. I was upset. I said, you, you mean you were born again? Year one, year two, year three. You didn't tell me about Jesus. If not that I was born again, I would have beaten him up. <laughs> How can you do that? How can you do it? Oh, I'm just praying for you. Okay, you have prayed for me. Then what? I'm praying that there will not be people standing. They know they are going to hell. They just stand in heaven and wait for you. I say, God, please, this person must not enter this place. Because this person was my neighbor for 10 years and she didn't or he didn't tell me about Jesus. I'm praying you won't get that accusation. In the mighty name of Jesus. So it is about the big fish or the are you going to invest your life, your one and only life, fishing for fish? Or is it going to be about fishing for men? You may be here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I am even far from God. Me, I'm far from God. Let's bow down our hearts as we bow down our heads. I'm far from God right now, Pastor. But I've heard this word. I want, I want to come back to God. I want to come to God afresh. I have never given my life to Jesus. When you say fish, I am number one fish. Pray with me. I want to pray with you. Oh, you are saying, I used to be saved. I used to be born again. But I have backslidden. I have gone back to sin. Now I want to repent of my sins. I want to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Pray with me. As the day panted for the water so That is me. I want to pray. I'm about to pray. I need to know you are there. Just slip the hands up. And we'll pray together. You alone are my heart's desire. surrender to you, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you reveal yourself to them. As you have drawn them to yourself, cleanse them totally. Translate them into the kingdom of your dear son and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Now, I want us all to pray about what we have heard, you know, I want you to say to Jesus, I will not settle for this small fish, Lord. Empower me to be fishers of men. Go ahead and talk to him. I will not settle for, the, for just making money. I will not settle. I thank you for the grace to make money, but I will not settle for it. Lord, make me fishers. A fisher of men. Make me a fisher of men. Me close to you.
Praise the name of the Lord.